Can you imagine a mitzvah so powerful it could save your life? And there are no shortage of stories chronicling its legendary power. These are a few of those stories. You're watching the Mitbacha Chronicles. Welcome to the Mitbacha Chronicles. If you're new to this channel, please consider subscribing so that you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And today's guest is no stranger to the channel. Please welcome back my great gal pal, Devorah Lillian. Devorah, how are you today? <laughs> great, Harry. I'm so excited to do this with you, Devorah Esther. Even though we've done many, it's always a new adventure. Every day is a new adventure with you. Um, I, you know, I, yeah. I almost feel like, you know, maybe I should do a reality show like of you and me together. I think we've talked about this when we used to go to New York. Remember, we used to go yes. to Great Neck all the time and we used to just yeah. like, it was always an adventure. And speaking of adventure, I mean, you've been with me. I, I mean, you've been my longest friend since coming back to Clydesdale. We were friends before I even came back. Um, and you've seen me before uh, the Mitzbacha. Uh, aka the Tichel, and you've seen me after. Uh, you've been on my journeys um, trying to teach this mitzvah and even some of the backlash I got for it. Um, so I thought how great it would be uh, to kind of put together a series of women. I mean, you and I both know there is no shortage of amazing stories of women who have had such miracles when they decided to take on this mitzvah. And I, I thought it was like really important, first of all, you know, really to kick off with my gal pal. Um, but also I wanted to have your story featured as well, because when I met you, uh, you were not always wearing the Tichel, a.k.a. Midbacha. You were actually a shaita wearer. Um, so I want to talk to you about what it was like to kind of go through the process um, you know, what were you thinking mentally? What was going on? What brought you to finally say, I'm, I'm going to make this switch? Um, and I'm so excited to, I'm so excited for everybody to hear. I, you know, I know about it, but I want everybody to hear your journey. So please tell us all about it. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> um, I just want to say first, I want to wish you Kol HaKavod to you for everything that you do. And I'm sure Many, many women that you probably don't even know listen to your videos, watch your videos, are affected. You don't even know it. Um, and I want to say that even we don't live that far from each other, but I and we don't see each other that often because you know you're you're so busy. <laughs> but I always feel your energy, you know, mm -hmm. as a friend. I could always feel your neshama. So I think it was the effect of your neshama on me subliminally right and even though i never had any intention of ever putting on a tickle i remember because, <laughs> because you know i was following the customs of lubavitch because you know my family they came out of lubavitch and you know we were following the customs of the lubavitchers um 
and the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So I never thought much about Tichel, but then slowly, slowly, there were things coming out about the Scheidel. I mean, to begin with, I didn't put a Scheidel on, I think, till I was 55 years old. Which, must have, been, which it, must have been a big uh, decision at that point as well to, to do that. It's not, you know, it's not as hard because it's hair, it's, you know, it's beautiful hair, you know, <laughs> and it's actually much easier because you I had, had a very a, nice, you had a very nice shaitel, I have to say, like you had a very nice, you know, good color, good length. It was very nice. It's so much easier than, you know, take care of your own hair. You don't right, have to get right. it cut as often. You don't have to blow dry it. I had a lot of, my own hair is very thick. It was a lot of work. So I think what happened is I started to hear things about just that wearing a tichel brought more kadusha. Um, it's not to say anything against shaitals because, you know, I don't know much about the differences as far as, you know, all the halacha. I don't, you know, want to say anything about that. But I felt like I needed more. I think I think I felt that when you start late in life and you've been through a lot in your life, it's like when you have cancer, you know, low Eleno, you have to get the strongest medicine. And as yeah. a Baltashuva, I felt like I needed the strongest medicine. I needed the biggest comfort. And I eventually felt like, you know, the Scheidel, I mean, the Tichel, I believed in my heart, was the right thing that I felt was the ultimate goal for Tsunuis. But I never believed that I would do it. I always had reasons <laughs> that I don't have to, you know, I, I'm a different community. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I want to get into that because we've had many conversations about that. <laughs> um, what was going through your head? You know, you, I, I know, were you having this, you know, internally a different dialogue than the external dialogue? What was going on there for you? Were you saying, I want to get there, but I'm not, I don't have to, or what, what was going on for you? Um, I think what was going on mostly, what goes through most women's heads is that I want to do it, but I don't know how the other people in my life will be able to take it. Will they, will I shock them? Yeah. You know, will my husband like divorce me? Will my kids laugh at me? Yeah. And then I thought about it and said, that's ridiculous. That's right. totally ridiculous because, you know, I, you know, learning for many years with Rabbi Chemov and he taught us about, you know, like being true to yourself and having the courage. And, you know, I said, what? What is what are people going to do to me? I mean, really, are my kids going to divorce me? No way. Are they going to stop calling me on the phone? Right. And I didn't think, you know, and I realized that my husband, it didn't matter. He wasn't he wasn't against it. So it was more in my mind. Which is it, an important point. It's, it's all in the mind. It is an so, important point. But you did receive backlash. In fairness, you did receive backlash. It wasn't a smooth transition for sure. Um, and I, I'm so glad that you touched on that because there are a lot of women 
Um, and it always brings me back to that pasuk. I mean, we just passed it with the Miraglim that says we were grasshoppers in their eyes. And of right. course, this is it, to me, it always highlights this mental state that you see yourself as less than. And that, like you said, that energy you feel from your friend, I felt like people will also feel that energy that you're giving off um, about whatever it is in your life. It doesn't have to be the mitbacha, whatever it is. I feel like sometimes people feel the energy you're giving out. And if you are feeling that somehow you are less than, I think then you will be grasshoppers in their eyes. Um, and I think that a lot of women face this and you know, it's funny because I always say that the Sephardim, you know, maybe we don't get it as much and I could be, I could be wrong. Maybe we don't get it as much because a lot of people say, well, that's the minhag of the Sephardim. So when the Ashkenazi women come out and they start wearing the mitbacha, I feel like sometimes it is harder for them because there has been, it has not always been the minhag, but it has been a long-standing minhag with the, with the shaitel coming out of Russia um, and Eastern European, um, uh, you know, regions. So, you know, what were the conversations like? I, I remember that you were having backlash. What were the conversations like? Um, and, and finally, and there is no more backlash. That's what's so amazing that there is no more. Everything is just... Yeah, maybe because all the Muslim women moved into our neighborhood. <laughs> so they kind of like Hashem sent them to like make us feel more comfortable. But <laughs> the reality is um, when you become Balteshuva or you con convert, um, you're looking for the truth. You've had enough of the fake in your life. You've suffered enormously from fake information. So when you come to the truth, you really feel like, you know, in order to hear, heal your neshama for, from all the suffering you went through because you weren't living a Torah lifestyle, you want to hold on to the truth to save your life. And I came to the point in my mind where through my own investigations that to wear a tichel was the truth of Tsunuas. That was what was in my mind. And then for me, it was just a matter of time of gravitating, like riding a bike, of when I felt I could get myself comfortable doing it every day. Like I had to research what kind of tichel, you know, how do you, I remember I was asking you, how do you tie the tichel? You know, it's a lot to do. But right. in reality, now I think back also. I was thinking about this yesterday because um, I was thinking how in many ways, even though I'm so-called Ashkenazi, I realized that it was easy for me in some ways because I didn't have a, um, a family growing up. I didn't come from a community. I was I like, like you, like show. I was on my own. So there is no other women to follow where there would be women saying, what are you doing? This is what we do. We wear shidles. What are you wearing? A I didn't have that because I didn't have grandparents. I didn't have aunts or uncles or cousins. There was nobody. Right. So I want to just tell people who, who, you know, a lot of people who follow this channel know you and they know your story very well. But for those who are new, 
please give us a little background about your family. So when you're saying I have no grandparents, I have no cousins, I have, explain to, to people who are new to this channel what why that is. Because I am the daughter of Holocaust survivors. And I was born, um, my parents actually were, you know, teenagers when the war started and they survived. And my mother was one of 50 people to survive a town of 4,500 Jews. And my father was one of 200 Jews, one, you know, maybe one out of 10 that survived. So when they left after the war out of Europe and they got here, they literally didn't have any, there was no family except some cousins that lived here in our neighborhood, but they weren't religious at all. They were just, um, you know, like American Jews. So the whole connection, and I'm, I'm like you like that very much where not only do we have no family, we don't have the country that they came from. We don't know what our grandmother's houses look like. We don't know what they look like. We were like, I always say we were like aliens that came from another planet. Mm -hmm. We just landed here. And when we asked our parents what it was like, they hushed us up. Right. We had no background. So it's literally like you're starting like a newborn, like where you could do anything because there was nobody to emulate. There was no community to, I mean, we weren't like from the Satmar Hasidim. We weren't really, you know, some of my family was Lubavitch. Some of them were Litvush. You know, my father's family were followers of, of the Hafez Chaim. My mother's family were Lubavitchers. But um, there was literally nothing really to follow. So maybe that in a way was easier. It was like we were starting, you know, it was like you and I were starting a new race. We were, we were at the race, you know, we're at the line, the starting line. I think it feels like that in our community. I mean, our community, there's a scarcity for sure. I mean, there's not, I mean, how many, how many people would you say wear the mikpacha in, in our area? Um, you and me <laughs> and the Muslim women and the Muslim women, because I know there. If we there can are, do it. <laughs> there are, you know, there are some women, I'm not going to say there are no Orthodox women around here, but there are some Orthodox women, but they are all wearing shidles. Right. And they're, I think sometimes when they see me, they're like shocked to see, like, I, I think they look at me like, don't think I'm going to be wearing that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing I want to say that motivated me was to do something in the zuchut for my children. I felt like as a mother that I don't want to leave this world not, you know, knowing that I didn't do everything I could in Kedusha for the zuchut of my children and descendants to come back. Because as you know, personally, and I know, because in many ways we are very similar that we didn't really know our ancestors, but we know how everything about them because of how they adhered to the Torah. And my grandparents on both sides were very, you know, very from 
great, my great grandmothers, great grandfathers. And I know because I heard stories and I read articles about them and I knew, I knew how they live because of their Torah adherence. And I thought the same thing, like, how will my great grandchildren or my grandchildren know me? They will know what's being told about me. So whatever I want them to hear is the way I'm going to live now. Good. That, I mean, that's so inspiring. That really is very inspiring, especially like you said, when you don't have, um, I mean, in some ways there's remnants of that foundation, but it's like you said, you don't have, it's not like you can just call your Bubby and your Zadie and say, you know, I have uh, issues with this. How did we do that? What's the mean hog for this? You don't have it. So I think it's just so wonderful that you are putting in so much effort and so much, um, you know, really a sacrifice of your own, you know, you could say, I don't want to do this I, I, or this or that. And, and you're doing so much to make sure that, that Judaism is so imprinted in the minds of your, your, your grandchildren. And it is very special because like you said, you came, you, you became about Teshuvah very, you know, really, I mean, you've, you've, gone you've done everything and you could have said i'm happy with the way i am but you you came back and it's one thing to come back is about two but then it's almost like you're having the second process because you're saying okay i'm wearing the shaitel now i'm going to take on the tikkul i mean you must feel like you've been going through the ringer i i feel i don't i feel like i've been climbing a ladder to heaven oh that is so sweet i love that i do i, I feel like that. i'm I'm climbing a very high ladder. And, you know, my aunt uh, from Israel was, my father's sister was very from also. And she told me stories about her mother. And I thought to myself, you know, it's amazing that here's my grandma, my great grandmother. I didn't know anything about her. I mean, grandmother, she would have been my grandmother, but I didn't really know her because she was killed and my father never told me a word about her, but I know all about her because my aunt told me that when she davened in shul, she davened so beautifully, the other women stopped davening to listen to her. And, and she, you know, and they also shechted their own cows in their barn. They brought the shechet, the shochet, so I knew that they they were I mean they they were really impoverished. They had no electricity, no running water. They lived in three rooms. They grew their all their own food. They lived out in the woods almost, but they were able to keep so strictly kosher by shifting their own cow. They had to pay the shochet to come and go through that whole process. There would they were they were no one would have known whether they ate the trafo power to the cow or not. But my aunt told me she was nine years old and she had to ride her bike like five miles to go give the trafo meat to the goyim to yeah. sell it. Yeah. Nobody right. would have known. Right. They didn't have to do all that. But that, that really motivated me to really be on their level and to stick with the truth. And, you know, also, and I've said this to my husband many times, my husband's great grandfather was a Talmud Chacham. He only learned Torah and he went to Auschwitz with nine children. Mm -hmm. And I said to my husband, we always agreed. We said, 
when we come back up to Shemayim and we see these neshamas up there, what are we going to say to them? I couldn't put on a tichel? No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean because I mean you know my story very well. So I feel like you know what do I what do I say to you know the grandmothers um, who went into the fire of the Inquisition? Right. Um, I'm sorry, I, I just wasn't there yet. You know, and you know it's funny. It is a real process, and um, you know I think for myself. I personally, you know, first of all, I love every woman in Klai Yisrael. I personally don't care if you're wearing a tikkun or shaitel. Um, but I feel like, ironically, I wasn't always supported in my decision to wear the tikkun. And once in a while, you get a comment, which I was very shocked about. Um, Hence the reason why, you know, these videos are going up because lo and behold, I was not the only one. And in fact, you know, I got a, I got a, a voice note today about somebody's experience and they felt, you know, attacked. And I wasn't quite sure for everything that we've been through as a nation in all of the years since our existence, I was very shocked um, that any comments uh, of this nature would even come up. Um you know, it, it just, it was very surprising to me. I pray that these videos would help women not only to come forward, uh, because I, I promise you, let a, let a Shem be my witness. There are women that feel also the same way that they are getting, um, they feel attacked. Uh, there's no other word to put, they feel attacked. And it's such a shame for everything that we've been through um, I pray that we will come together and I just want to give a safe space to women to come tell their stories. And for those that want to tell it and, and give Hizuk to others, um, I think it's always important, especially the older that we get to remember that there's a generation behind us. And I think that is incumbent upon all of us the way we have always received, even though we haven't had these traditional families, there's always been a example to look forward to. And I think that Hashem also puts people in your life. And for me, I've been very fortunate that he's put a lot of mamash and met women in my life, like very straight shooting. And, and I thought that was such a gift because really I, I had like very little to nothing to go on. Um, right. And so you can imagine um, there's a whole sea of women who also have this same nothing to go on. I mean, if you think about even the converts who come in, they're kind of leaving everything behind, including their families. They don't know the day to day and they're, you know, there's gotta be some kind of compassion. Um, but I felt like very shocked that this mitzvah of all things, um, it was just, you know, a lot of people felt attacked. And so, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that if for no, no other reason that there will be unity and support for women who want to take up modesty wherever they are. Um, but for those who are looking to engage in modesty, I, I say to you, don't stand still. Keep moving forward. Maybe you're not ready to, to go all the way or whatever it is, but little by little, even if it's whether it is your clothing, that the skirts get a little looser, they get a little longer. Um, you know, the shirts get, uh, get you know, they're, they're, they're down a little further. The necklines are a little up. Wherever it is, 
I promise you. Uh, the ironic thing is that I've always, my experience is that I have not really encountered a lot of backlash from Goyim. That's what's so shocking. The bad within Israel. Um, you know, there's a lot of Goyim, even in the office today, they say, you know, they call me over and they're calling me over just to see what I'm wearing. So it's not them. Um, so I think, you know, we have some work to do for sure. And I hope that these videos are a safe place for women to come tell their story. But for women who are listening too, it's a safe place for them to come. It's a, it's a judgment-free zone. It's what I'm really hoping that these chronicles will be, that we will learn of the miracles uh, that, that many women are experiencing when they're, they're accepting this mitzvah upon themselves. Um, this is a very powerful miracle. Uh, I'm sorry, mitzvah. And I feel like, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I feel like it's a mitzvah that is very much being trampled on. It's very much disregarded. I, I want to say, I don't know. I'm not aware of any other mitzvah that gets such heat the way this one does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't I think, know. What do you I think? think? I, I think there are women that maybe do feel threatened because they don't want to feel like they, you know, I think women are very attached to their hair and their looks. I think it's a woman inherent in the woman, but I think, I think it's also how the women who are wearing tickles, we need to go out like the Jews went out of Egypt in the light of day. We need to go with our heads held up high and smiling wherever I go. People look at me, I just smile. And you're right. The Goyim always praise me wherever I go. They look, I mean, I've had women say to me, you look so stunning. And I'm thinking, you know, I wish, I wish the Jewish girls would say that to me. You know, it's <laughs> right? true. I but I think have people that stop me, they, they will stop me and they were like, wow. And it's like, yeah. Uh, so I, I think I don't pay much attention to it at all because to me, it's as we say in Yiddish, it's a nebuchal, nebuch, nebuchal thing. In other words, if you say, if you say, if you, let's say, attack me or have a negative comment or, or look at me negatively, I feel sorry for you. I don't feel bad about me. I feel that you're missing something. Right. And we should never be ashamed of who we are. And I just want to tell, share something with you that happened to me last week. Last week, I was home alone. And I took my tichel off because I was going to go put a different one on. So I had no one was my husband was at home. So I just had my hair exposed. And it's interesting that now when I take my tichel off, I almost feel like I've taken off my shirt. And I remembered I had to go make a phone call. I had to call a rabbi. I said, I can't call him with my hair uncovered. <laughs> Even though I was home alone, it was going to be on the phone. Right, because how much he should say, because you know his shadow's name's going to come out. Maybe he's going to give you a bracha and your hair's not covered. No, I don't know. It was like, I felt like I was like, like, like even if you're going to make a phone call, there's nobody in the house. You would never do it without a shirt on. Right. 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 And that's how I felt. And that's the, that's the power of the Kedusha. Of the tichel. Right. I never felt that with a shidel ever. 
I didn't feel that with the Scheidel. And that's how I knew that there was a difference. There is a difference. Uh, You know, it's so funny. Like I, I personally, as you know, um, I came back, I got married, like within maybe what, another week or two, you were at that wedding. And from that day, I've not uncovered my hair ever. So I personally don't know, like you say, like, I don't know the difference because I've only ever been in the mitbacha, right? Right. But as someone who has been uh, there, and as someone who has had a lot of her family ripped away from them through anti-Semitism, what would you say to gals who are either converting or young gals who are looking to take, or even older gals, or even gals my age, like what would you say to them as an encouragement, as somebody who's been through all of that um, and has gotten to where you are, what would you say as a hizuk to them? You can only heal your neshama by sticking to the truth. So you must follow the halachas and also do what you feel is right and never ever not follow Hashem, you know, accord, you know, not do not abandon Hashem because of other people, because that was a mistake of thousands of years we did. And, I heard um, Rabbi Chemov say this this week. You can never lose by sticking to the Torah. And that's something he says a lot. And we always can rationalize in my mind that, you know, I have to make peace in the family, so I better go to that party. They'll all be mad. They'll all be upset. And, you know, in Torah, it says to keep the peace. But you know you shouldn't go. Right. So... We're really in a war now for the truth. We're at the end of days. We know Mashiach is coming. And the women have to know we're much more powerful than we believe. And the, the Jewish neshama is higher than an angel. We have great powers. So I believe if, you, you know, if you're inclined and you really believe in your heart, you should wear a tichel. I mean, we know if you're married, according to Jewish law, you have to cover your hair. You know, whether you wear a shaitel or tichel, that's up to your community and your personal right. rav. Right. Because I've asked, you know, you and I, we talk about this all the time. We've discussed this with so many different rabbis. But you know what? I've come to the conclusion that we as women, we have to ser- search out the truth beyond the rabbi. Because a rabbi, after all, is not wear- covering his hair. Right. Well, the other thing, too, I think it's important that you point out, like you say, you know, I think a lot of people, right, they ask different rabbis opinions, but only this is why, uh, you know, in Parque Avot, it says make for yourself a rabbi. Your rabbi knows your circumstance, knows your background, knows what's in front of you, what's behind you, what you're going through. That's why it's so important to have a rabbi. And really, that rabbi is the one that should be guiding you in your decision um, but it's true what you say. You have to sometimes look beyond even that. And this way, even if you can articulate to the rabbi, listen, uh, I know that a lot of people here do this. This is why I need to do this. Um, I have to tell you personally, I've asked secretly many rabbis that, you know, not rabbis, rabbis I knew, 
for a long time. You know, is it better, you know, what's better, the tichel or the shaitel? They all say the tichel is better, secretly. So I decided that, well, I knew that before I even asked you. So I, I think of this all the time recently. I think, I don't know, it's not that long ago where we read the Parsha with Devora Hanavia and Barak. And it says that Hashem sent Devora to war with Barak. Why couldn't Barak go by himself? Since when does a woman have to go to war with a man? And since when did he, a man have to ask a woman to go with him? You know, the, the and other, I thought to myself, Hashem is teaching the women a message. You know, we also have our own abilities that men don't know about and don't have. That's why we give birth. So we have to use that to the ultimate um, potential and strengthening Torah in the Jewish nation. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm always so glad to be speaking with you. I mean, as you know, you and I, I think perhaps more than any other guest that will probably be on this particular series, you know, our conversation will be a very different one. You know, I think you've been a part of my journey. I've been a part of yours. It's going to be interesting to hear what the experience is from women um, all over the world, really, what has been their experience. Um, I'm very excited to to be part of, um, you know, these stories and to hear them and to spread them and to give a platform for them. Um, I love this mitzvah a lot. I cannot tell you, you know, perhaps one day, maybe, maybe you'll interview me and, and I will talk about all the, the miracles that happened as a result of putting on the mitzvah and all of the reactions that broke through in my own story with my own family simply because of the mitbacha, which really separated. I felt like for me, um, I don't know why, again, talk about the legendary power of the mitbacha, but there was some kind of shefa that came down that really um, affected my family in a way that it caused them to look in the mirror about their own past and to come forward with some of the stories that they came forward with, which of course, were really they were shocking and and what we learned uh, what we learned through them um, was really amazing but I I truly believe uh, that it was the mitbacha that kind of broke through and and pushed that and I don't know had I just uh, you know came with my hair or um, any other way I don't know that that dressing modestly would have been enough. There was something about the men seeing the mitbacha that brought them back. And for some of them, it brought tears to their eyes as they were recalling their own upbringing and the things that they had endured. Um, so it's very interesting. I almost feel like, you know, it's like it's like my tichel and me where I where the, wherever I go, it goes. <laughs> it has to come with yeah. me, you know, you know, it's amazing. Um, I think that when a woman wears her hair covered with a tichel, people look at you and they cannot tell you anything that's not true. It's the, that's what I'm saying. It's the ultimate power of truth, which belongs to the Torah. Right. And I just right. wanted to say also, I was looking at some pictures from my mother's shtetl 
And I realized they all wore tichels when they left the house. They didn't even wear scheidels. Even the young girls are all wearing berets, like even girls like 11, 12, 13. Yeah, my mom said the same thing. My mom had also indicated that even though they were not married, their hair, especially when they prayed, had to be covered and tied back. That was a right. requirement. There was no exception to that rule for any woman in the mountain. Right. So I think there is, that's why I think the tickle is more powerful than the scheidel because the scheidel, it's still hair. You know, it's, you know, it, there's it's, something different you about question. it. You're bringing up something and it's bringing up, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, your family's trauma, my family's trauma. Let me ask you, they just came to me. Um, do you think that in some ways, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was teaching Adorn with Dignity, I believe it was day 21 or it was between 20 and 22. We're talking about the edict from the czar. Um, and I remember back then saying, you know, how many of those women were crying uh, to, to not be able to wear the tichel because it would have identified them as the Jew, uh, which would have caused it would have been a life risk for them. And, uh, you know, I wonder, I, I would love to hear in Shemaim, you know, what it was like for them. Like, what do they think now and today? And what are their thoughts? I mean, don't you wish you could just, you know, hear their I know, I know I read a story about um, the women going into the gas chambers in Auschwitz. And it said the Orthodox women were crying because they were not modest. They had to remove their clothes. The, the women that were not from, that they said were secular, were crying because they were going to be killed. Wow. I get but where the, you're going with that. I get where you're going with that. The women were crying because they were exposed. So that says something about mo how modesty affects your neshama more than what anyone can imagine. That's what I believe. Yeah. And it's not and just it's you that it affects, it affects your husband, because I, I will tell you, um, you know, I've, I've heard many ways, you know, me that connect, connected me that you, you're modest and you don't cause other men to stumble, then you mean a connect me that you're going to have your husband doing the same thing. He's not going to be looking at any modest women. And I do find that my husband, um, you know, he for sure has these immediate reactions, like even in the grocery store where he's like this, which is like, it's almost like an immediate reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that, that you know, it, the modesty isn't just affecting me, it's affecting him as well. It's affecting right. my sons, you know what I'm right. saying? So don't right. really find this exposed look attractive. Um, so I feel... Yeah, I feel that um, it has affected my children in a positive way, subliminally, more right. than what they will admit. And I do feel that, um, and Rabbi Hamas has always said this, like, if you're at, um, if you're at 100% Yiddishkeit, don't expect your kids to be at 100%. Not they true. will be at 50%. But if you don't do anything, they will be at minus zero percent. That so is true. That's what I'm saying. You must hold today. You have to. You have to be a role model for the women in the Jewish nation. You have to be a role model 
you know, you have to be like a soldier for Hashem. And I think this is one of the ways you can do it. It's to me, it's like men wearing tzitzis, you know, and they said in Europe, the Hasidim used to say that they wore their tzitzis out. The reason they wore it out is that if a goy would come towards them, like to try to do harm them, they would take their tzitzis and wave them in the air because they, the spiritual energy would repel the goyim. Wow. So this oh, to me is because cool. the, <laughs> that's the tichel. It has spiritual energy. There are things that have, we know, even plants we know right. have energy. So we're not just in the physical world. We're in a spiritual world. And that's why we read to heal them. And that's why we pray. We have to, we have to bring in every inch of Kedusha that we can to bring now to, to protect our children, our grandchildren and the community and, and Israel. And we're, you know, as Jewish women, we have to contribute. We have to contribute. And to me, the tichel is one way of contributing. And I just want to say also that um, I want to thank you because I don't know, honestly, if I wasn't friends with you and didn't meet you and you didn't live, I th- feel like Hashem sent you to live near me to give me the, the koach to help me in this endeavor, because it was only through your teachings that I came to realization that I should wear the tichel. It's not like you ever said that I, you know, you never like tried to convince me out of guilt. It was always an encouragement. So yeah, thank you so I'm gonna much. Cry. Like I'm going <laughs> to cry. <laughs> it's so sweet. You know, uh, I can't thank Hashem enough for giving me such a friend. Um, and I, I pray that, that you and I will meet many friends, uh, whether they are Tikal wares or Shaita wares. You know, I pray that we will find many friends. Uh, but I pray more than that, that we would find sisters and aunts and mothers and grandmothers um, and, and daughters. Like, I, I pray that we will find a community of women that are ready to support each other wherever they are in their journey. And I want to thank you so much for, you know, giving up your time to come out and tell your story. I hope that it does give a lot of hizuk to a lot of women out there. And I just want to encourage everyone, um, you know, just keep moving forward. Even if it's just a little bit, it's better than going backwards. I can tell you that just stay connected to Hashem, stick with the truth. And we're going to get through this Bezrat Hashem and greet Mashiach. And I pray it soon. So I think that's it for today. And I hope we'll all be together again soon. Bezrat Hashem. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this video or know someone who would, please share it. If you'd like to be notified of upcoming episodes for the Mitpacha Chronicles, click subscribe to be notified.